This is KVR, Kaiju Vision Radio, Episode 55, The Politics of Shin Godzilla. Welcome back to Kaiju Vision Radio, a podcast about the appreciation of kaiju and tokusatsu movies and discovering their historical and cultural value, bringing you film reviews with an emphasis on international affairs and the history and culture of Japan. I'm Brian Scherschel. While the next episode will be on Prophecies of Nostradamus, I'm going to give you more of what Kaiju Vision Radio does best, politics, history, and culture. Since this is the first episode with me on video, I wanted to do something big and appropriate to start off with this new format. In this episode, I will highlight the best part of the Shin Godzilla episode which I wrote almost two years ago with a couple little updates. Kaiju Vision and Shin Godzilla go together like macaroni and cheese. I never thought that Shin Godzilla would ever exist. I figured the original 1954 Godzilla and the 1984 film The Return of Godzilla would be the only two movies of their type. And then came the most unexpected moment. I saw the film, and it was my greatest moment as a Godzilla enthusiast. I couldn't believe the cinematic balls that the talent behind the movie had. They really went for it, and I was stunned. It's so different, it's so fresh, and yet it's still classic Godzilla. It's my favorite Godzilla movie released during my lifetime. I spotted the 311 connections immediately. My international relations training was operating at peak level the whole movie. First, I'll talk about the significance of 311. Then I'll address the supposed militarism and nationalism. After that, I'll explain how Shin Godzilla is similar to other Godzilla movies. Then I'll address the realism and finally the satire. Let's begin. My response to Shin Godzilla was different than virtually everyone else I'd ever talked to in America, and especially the Godzilla fan community. The exceptions were Americans living in Japan, or who knew more about Japan because that meant they got the 311 references. The American Godzilla fan community seemed to concentrate on the so-called nationalism in the film, and 311 wasn't mentioned much at all. 311 explains much of what's going on with Godzilla's behavior, as well as the human's behavior. Shin Godzilla is much more of a disaster film than other Godzilla movies because it's centered around this disaster. The domestic audience for this movie was terribly affected by 311. In particular, big reactions come out of huge disasters in Japan. The Great Kanto Earthquake is another example. Disasters like this strongly affect a country's psyche. This was one of the absolute biggest disasters ever. It was the fourth strongest earthquake ever recorded on Earth the worst earthquake to ever hit Japan. Severe damage to buildings, massive tsunami, damage to two nuclear plants, although Fukushima Daini ended up being okay. The Fujinuma irrigation dam ruptured. A refinery fire on the shore of Tokyo Bay lasted 10 or 11 days, which reminded me of Godzilla vs. Gigan, the submersion of Japan, and various other times that that's happened in movies. Whole towns were reduced to piles of rubble. 300 hospitals were damaged, and 11 were totally destroyed. Elderly and infirm evacuated from hospitals died during the evacuation. 
121,778 buildings totally collapsed, 280,926 buildings half collapsed, and 699,180 buildings partially damaged. There were 15,899 dead, 6,157 injured, and 2,529 missing in the aftermath. As of 2015, an additional 228,863 people were living away from home either because they permanently relocated or because they were living in temporary housing. There were 4.4 million households left without electricity and 1.5 million households without water. The total economic loss to Japan was $235 billion, which is the costliest natural disaster in history. Many shrines and other cultural sites were damaged or destroyed. It will take 23 years to process all of the rubble. Refugees from the area streamed south. Consequently, there were shortages of gasoline, water, and food in parts of the country. Survivors faced social stigmas, exclusion, depression, and alcoholism. The 46 foot tsunami hit the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant, going over the 19 foot seawall easily. This resulted in hydrogen air explosions, release of radioactive material, and level 7 meltdowns in three of the six reactors at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant. The nuclear power plant is only 142 miles northeast of the Tokyo metropolis, but only 40 miles outside of Greater Tokyo. The earthquake caused damage to electricity infrastructure, which caused power shortages all around the country. Rolling blackouts lasted for 29 days. People were stuck in elevators for days. Flights into Tokyo were canceled. 10,000 were stranded at Haneda Airport in Tokyo, and 13,000 were stranded at Narita Airport. Sendai Airport was directly hit by the tsunami. Wind was blowing generally west to west northwest, so the radioactive cloud went over that part of northern Japan. Corporate headquarters considered moving out of Tokyo because of the meltdowns. If the whole power plant had blown up, without the Fukushima 50 and the plant manager especially, it would have been much worse, and Tokyo may have had to be evacuated. The point is, with a few international exceptions, unless you were in Japan during all of this, you didn't experience it, they did. They, as a country, went through incredible trauma. We are outside looking inwards. This movie is about Japan. It's made for the Japanese people, and the assistant director Shinji Higuchi told us that. Patriotism is one of the results of this national trauma. The 1954 Godzilla film helped the audience cope with the trauma of the Great Pacific War, World War II. Shin Godzilla helps the audience cope with the trauma of 311 because Godzilla is 311. Next, I'll highlight the definitions of militarism, patriotism, and nationalism, and how they apply to Shin Godzilla. It seems that the definition of militarism is fuzzy. Some seem to think that it means military ish. Therefore, I'll actually define militarism. It is the belief or the desire of a government or a state. That a state should maintain a strong military to use it aggressively to expand or to promote national interests andor values. It also may imply the glorification of the military and the ideals of a professional military class and the predominance of the armed forces in the administration or the policy of the state. So, that means the military has a huge role in the function of everyday life. 
to use it aggressively, and glorification of the military are the two key takeaways in my opinion. In a militaristic society, the military is the example for how all of society should be run. North Korea is an example of a militarist state. On the contrary, Japan is not. Is there militarism in the movie Shin Godzilla? No. They are saying they have faith in the Japanese Self-Defense Forces, or the SDF, as the last line of defense in a crisis. Well, isn't that a foregone conclusion? This is a crisis. In the midst of such a crisis, that's who you go to when you need help. Look at how long it took the leadership to go to the military option in the movie. They hesitate, they look at the Constitution to see if it's possible to even deploy the armed forces, they know that the SDF has to be used before they go to the U.S. for help as well. The military is definitely not the first option that comes to mind. Regarding the SDF, enlisting in the SDF is not the preferred route of employment in Japan by far. There's a labor shortage there, for one. The SDF, more often than not, come from rural areas of Japan, a bit like the U.S. Armed Forces do. They aren't paid as well, it's an all-volunteer force, and the three branches of the military, the air, the ground, and the naval forces, are sectioned off and can't even coordinate communication as one unit. There's not much glorification of the SDF in this movie, but they do think of the SDF in a lot of the same ways we do with our military. When called upon in a crisis, the military is supposed to save lives and protect the country. The nation honors their service and their bravery, but so do we with our military. Since the SDF isn't a profession many choose, volunteering and sacrificing your own life for others is something to be thanked for. Here are some polling figures. All of these polls mentioned in this episode are from the Pew Research Center Global Attitudes and Trends section. 79% of Japanese people in a recent poll said that military rule would be bad. They selected representative democracy as the best realistic option for how to run society. Democracy isn't perfect. It's the best alternative to what's out there, though. The vast majority of Japanese are not warmongers, though there is considerable concern in Japan about the military buildup in China and the threat from North Korea. Here's our next definition. Patriotism. Patriotism is the ideology of attachment to a homeland, political, historical, cultural, or ethnic. Faith in one's homeland would also be an accurate description. Here's George Orwell's definition of patriotism. Devotion to a particular place and a particular way of life, which one believes to be the best in the world, but has no wish to force it upon other people. Patriotism is of its nature defensive, both militarily and culturally. That's Orwell's take. Now here's the big definition. Nationalism. Promoting the interests of a particular nation and promoting national identity, culture, language, race, religion, political goals, or common ancestry, preservation of culture, self-determination, and full sovereignty. However, here's Orwell's definition of nationalism. He said, Nationalism, on the other hand, is inseparable from the desire for power. The abiding purpose of every nationalist is to secure more power and more prestige, not for himself, but for the nation or other unit in which he has chosen to sink his own individuality. Orwell also described nationalism as power hunger by self-deception. He refers to the nationalist as one who thinks solely or mainly in terms of competitive prestige, 
Having picked his side, he persuades himself that it is the strongest and is able to stick to his belief even when the facts are overwhelmingly against him. That's what Orwell says. Consequently, patriotism is defensive, inwards, and fulfilled. Nationalism is offensive, outwards, and power-hungry. Between nationalism and patriotism, which one of these two is operating in Shin Godzilla? Patriotism. Patriotism is pride in one's country, but it's nothing to get worried about. We have no right to tell the Japanese that they shouldn't be patriotic about their country. One critic of this film refers to this movie as promoting soft nationalism. Well, that's what patriotism is, though. Both patriotism and nationalism have the element of independence and self-determination. This movie is displaying patriotic desire for self-determination inwards because there is nothing in this movie about how the rest of the world needs to be more Japanese. They are satirizing their own leaders and authority figures. There are plenty of movies made in the U.S. that are nationalistic or patriotic, but it's not a big deal when you're the domestic audience. You're used to that more. We're thinking, of course, that we're number one. Many other nations think that they're number one, or want to be number one, just like we do. Japan is no exception to that. The 2014 Godzilla film, made in the United States, expresses patriotism as well. Ford and the United States Armed Forces are serving in order to protect the homeland and its citizens. And Godzilla 2014 isn't nationalistic either. There's not much cooperation with other countries here. The U.S. solves things themselves with the help of Dr. Sarazawa. When Japan tries to take down Godzilla with only the military option, they fail. Instead, it takes courage, the ability to speak the truth, formulation of a clear strategy, cooperation with allies like the United States, and scientific research in order to actually get rid of Godzilla. In the original Godzilla film from 1954, the military appears to be unrestricted, they are instantly deployed, and random citizens cheer for them. Instead, Shin Godzilla realistically shows how many restrictions and controls are going on regarding the self-defense forces. The military recruitment poster has been a source of some difficulties about this movie as well. This is partially a misunderstanding of Japanese marketing. The SDF has its own anime mascots for the three different branches. Anime is used quite a bit in recruitment posters. The poster was used as a way to thank the SDF for being so involved with the creation of this movie. The info on the bottom is contact information for the SDF. On the right is a message saying, looking for people who can defeat Godzilla. That likely doesn't mean we want people who would fight Godzilla in a literal sense. They know they're not joining up for that. It's more of, we want people who are capable of winning against Godzilla. There is also a message on the left side of the poster that says, Defend Future Now. The U.S. has plenty of advertisements on TV for the armed forces that we could talk about for a long time and use comparative politics there. But to the Japanese, this mostly isn't a big deal. It's how military recruitment works, whether we like it or not, and compared to how military recruitment works in other countries, including the United States, this isn't much of an anomaly. If you want to look at how military recruitment in non-democratic regimes works, I would suggest you look up present-day military recruitment propaganda from China. Next, I will say how Shin Godzilla is not different than most other Godzilla movies. 
The movie reflects Japan at this moment in time, effectively expressing the current state of the Japanese national spirit. The biggest examples would be the original Godzilla film from 1954, The Return of Godzilla from 1984, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah from 1991, Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters All Out Attack from 2001, and obviously Shin Godzilla. The Godzilla movies express the Japanese national spirit on issues like the security treaty, invasions, trade and globalization, nuclear bomb testing, pollution, weather control, a critique of modern industrial society, multinational corporations, national energy policy, environmentalism, and foreign policy. During the time between 1984 and 2016, a great deal happened in Japan besides the 311 disaster. Examples include the rise of China and its new status as virtually a colonial power, the end of the Cold War and the restart of the new Cold War, North Korea going nuclear, and the lost decade. A huge one would be how Japan made a turn towards the political right between then and now. Japan is a pretty conservative society, but at the same time, that doesn't make the Japanese default right wing, which is very different. There are many Japanese who are apolitical or they don't vote. Their voting culture and ours is different. But these are the events that occurred, and this is where Japan is now. Shin Godzilla, like many of the Godzilla movies, keeps Godzilla relevant. Relevancy is one of the biggest goals when creating a Godzilla movie. The point is things change, people change, circumstances change, countries change. As all these things change, Godzilla has changed right along with everything else. Godzilla has fought to stay relevant all through the many decades it's been since the end of the war. If Godzilla doesn't change as the times change, it doesn't survive, or at least it has a lot less of a chance for survival. Shin Godzilla represents Japan at this moment in time so well that it's remarkable. Shin Godzilla is similar to the 1954 and 1984 films. And that Japan goes its own way to solve its problems. In 1954, Japan goes its own way completely alone. In the 1984 film The Return of Godzilla, the Prime Minister rejected the US and the Soviet Union as they solved the problem on their own with the help of the US to shoot down the bomb that would otherwise have been dropped on Tokyo. In Shin Godzilla, Japan agrees to a UN US plan to take out Godzilla with a nuclear bomb in Tokyo, but Japan goes its own way by teaming up with other countries, including the United States, to take care of Godzilla before the deadline that the international community put upon them. It's their country, and they take initiative, and they save themselves with other countries' help. If Japan going its own way is nationalistic, Then, using that as a benchmark, the two previous Godzilla movies from 84 and 54 are actually more nationalistic than this one is. In Shin Godzilla, more than any others in the whole series, it's clear that Japan cannot succeed without the help of others. The military only option does not solve the problem in this movie, just like most other Godzilla movies, and the SDF, even though it's the most realistic portrayal of the SDF ever, is still weak. In fact, a joint Japan US attack sets Godzilla off and he destroys much of Tokyo, recollecting the imagery from the original film. In the 1954 film, the military attacking Godzilla sets him off as well, and he rampages through Tokyo. 
it's plan B that ends up working. In part one of episodes of Kaiju Vision Radio, I go through the various ways used to try to solve the problem that's presented. The solution that works is usually some sort of nuanced approach. Volcanoes, ice, all kinds of technology, blood coagulants, anti-nuclear energy bacteria, freezing rays, giant mechas, missiles with giant corkscrews on the end, etc. This movie is no different in that respect. In fact, the only movie where a military-only option works is in Godzilla 1998 from the United States. They shoot at the problem until they kill Zilla. There are also, by my count, only four movies in the entire Godzilla series that don't have the SDF or military of some type in them. One criticism is that this movie's message is, give us our military back already. But the military doesn't succeed. It's part of a much bigger picture instead. I absolutely don't want to say what Ishiro Honda would have thought of Shin Godzilla. We will never know, and I don't want to venture a guess. But I will try to see if I can recognize the Brotherhood of Man principle in this movie, because Honda believed in that principle. The original film's Brotherhood of Man connection is obvious. Japan denounces nuclear weapons and nuclear weapons testing, and embraces peace with mankind, even though they solve the problem entirely on their own. In Shin Godzilla, Operation Yashiori ends up working, and that involves cooperation, with the United States for military power, with France for stalling the Security Council, Germany for their technological capabilities, other countries for equipment, etc. Compared to the return of Godzilla, Shin Godzilla actually depicts more international cooperation than that does. At the end of the day, Operation Yashiori results in a peaceful solution, just as in Godzilla 1954 and The Return of Godzilla from 1984. Like some other movies in the series, including the original, one of Shin Godzilla's functions is to help the Japanese work through trauma. In the 1954 film, it was about the war, occupation, the atomic bombs, and the Castle Bravo test. In this one, it's 311. It's about the country coping with what they've been through. Just like in the 1954 film, this movie is channeling the public's outrage. In the original Godzilla, the people are expressing outrage at the Bikini Atoll test, the atomic bombings from the United States, and all the other forces they believe made them suffer. Shin Godzilla is channeling outrage that the Japanese felt towards their authorities because every level failed to properly react to the 311 disasters. The system didn't work, and they're unhappy with its performance. The old guard is criticized as part of the ineptitude of the government. It is progressive, young people with complex solutions that fix the problem, not the old guard. Not many entities escape criticism in Shin Godzilla. This is similar to the first Godzilla movie, in that this movie makes Japan appear as a victim. In this one, Japan is the victim of a secret American research project that turns into Godzilla. This mirrors how the Japanese were victims of 311 as well. In the original Godzilla movie, the Japanese are depicted as victims of the atomic bombings by the United States, as Godzilla is a metaphor for those events. Between the original movie and Shin Godzilla, which of the two is harder on the United States? The original, or maybe both equally, but... I think Shin Godzilla is a satire more. I think the 1954 film is actually harder on the United States than Shin Godzilla ever was. 
There is a nationalist interpretation of Shin Godzilla, but this isn't the only one that has a nationalist interpretation. Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla from 1974, Invasion of Astro Monster, and Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah are three movies I can think of that if you're a nationalist and you see what you want to see, you could come up with some pretty sometimes unsettling conclusions. But examining issues aren't the same as actually taking a position on those issues. Like the 1954 and 84 films, Shin Godzilla is, an, is a rather unvarnished and complex expression of the Japanese national spirit. However, for the first time, this movie wasn't edited in to another version first. For the 1954 movie, Americans saw an edited version in 1956, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and we waited until 2006 to see the original film when it was finally released. That's 52 years later. For the 1984 movie, The Return of Godzilla, we saw an edited version in 1985, which is Godzilla 1985, and we waited until 2016 to see the original of that film released in America. That's 32 years later. For the 2016 movie Shin Godzilla, we saw the original version in 2016, and it was shown in movie theaters across the country, including my own hometown even, I would expect some to react negatively because any two given people, especially Americans, but also Japanese, may not interpret this film exactly the same way. So what was taken out of the 1954 and 84 originals? Namely, the politics, the history, the Japanese national spirit. Why? Because of the way that the Japanese national spirit is expressed. The 1954 film got edited into a normal giant monster movie. The 1984 film got turned into a disaster almost if it weren't for Raymond Burr, who quite possibly saved the movie from a fate worse than death. Now here's my real point. It is my understanding that Godzilla fans usually like the original versions of the 54 and 84 movies because that's the real thing. It's truly a real foreign film experience because expurgating the spirit is wrong. Well, Shin Godzilla is the real thing, and we don't have to wait to see a 90-minute dub version first and then sit around for decades waiting for the original to come out. If we had seen the cut version first, there would have been a lot of complaints. The complaint would have been, we want the real thing. We want Godzilla. Instead, we got the real thing, right away, in the theaters, and delivered on a disc to our front doors or streamed over the internet. But now, there are more complaints that this film is nationalistic, etc., which is exactly what I would have predicted, what would have happened if the original 1954 and 84 films were distributed right when they came out. Just like I enjoyed the real thing for the 54 and 84 movies, I enjoy the real thing here. Do I like Shin Godzilla simply because it's from Japan? No. Next, I'll comment on Shin Godzilla's realism and satire. One of the biggest objectives the creators of Shin Godzilla had was realism. It's the most realistic Godzilla movie ever, especially with regards to military equipment and government procedures. Here's some of what Hideki Anno has said in interviews. He said, Asia is where it's at now. We'd best get good with our neighbors. The previous generation is with America. In my generation, though, you turn more and more to domestic matters, look more inward. That's a lot of what this movie's about. It's looking inward. 
It's about domestic issues, just as the movie is obviously more for the domestic audience first and foremost. But he has to be realistic in the movie too, so Japan's most important ally is the United States. This movie wouldn't be realistic if Japan suddenly started cooperating with China or Russia, etc. Russia and China are mentioned together and are mostly viewed as unproductive since they use the United Nations to pressure Japan. As this movie is realistic in a lot of ways, the security treaty and the status of the self defense forces are subjects. For the first time ever, the United States and its military play a key role in the story. America participates in not only the, the military only plan to get rid of Godzilla, but also in Operation Yashiori, which is our plan B. Japan needs the help of the United States both times. Japan asks for help from the US both times, and they get it both times. Japan is working with allies that they really already have in real life. In this way, Japan is showing that it can and will have good relations with Western democracies around the world. Because Shin Godzilla is a realistic movie, it has to do a difficult balancing act. It's a tough question in Japan about how to build up the military and protect itself, while also eschewing militarism at the same time. There are historical issues. No one said this would be easy. The current security environment in East Asia is incredibly tense. Japan is building up its armed forces by increasing its defense budget. This is because of North Korea's belligerence and China's expansionist military buildup. 83% of Japanese people view China unfavorably, and only 4% of Japanese say that China's military buildup is a good thing for Japan. At the same time, the United States is rebalancing its military commitments in East Asia. And as the U.S. changes its role, Japan has to fill in that vacuum for what is left in order for things to remain stable. I don't believe that Japan having to spend more on its military is a wonderful thing necessarily. We wish they didn't have to, but that's just how things are going right now. Shin Godzilla shows how young people save the country. Younger people are more hopeful about the future than older people are. Young people are mostly patriotic, they propose inventive ways to solve problems, and they want to challenge the system, and they have a can do spirit. In polls, Younger people have even more faith in government than older people do. Like the character Yaguchi in the movie, young people propose bold policy solutions, and they're sympathetic. There's this idea that a symbiotic relationship is going on between geeks and the state. I've seen this argument before. The supposed message is that geeks and nerds or whatever should join the state, therefore making the geeks and nerds more powerful and making the state more powerful as well. I didn't glean that message from the movie. I really didn't get that vibe, because Yaguchi and his gang are in fact working against the state's plan of surrendering to international pressure. If anyone has a symbiotic relationship with the state, it's the other bureaucrat character, Akasaka. As a conformist, he is in tight with the old guard and the state. The original movie railed against the conformists in the diet, who they viewed as giving in too easily to the United States. In fact, when watching the original 1954 movie, the audience in theaters cheered when the Diet Building was destroyed by Godzilla. Realism is the reason why the bureaucracy is so inflexible in the movie, and is such a failure. Especially during the 311 disasters, the whole system failed the people that it served. 
This is such a big part of the movie, because it's mirroring what happened in the 311 disaster regarding bureaucracies. Bureaucracies are not good at solving new problems, especially if the problem is urgent and evolving. A case where a second lost thinking or asking experts is a second that you spend not responding to the problem. Characters in the movie said things like, This isn't in the manual. We didn't do any exercises for this. This is unprecedented. You want me to make a decision right now? Etc. They're good at fixing things once they learn how to, and they're good at going from one room to another in all these meetings. Japanese culture is not as much about telling co-workers, and especially your bosses, about how to make something better, or anything else that causes trouble like that. Everyone protects their own turf, everyone passes the buck, and decision-making processes are very slow. If a lower employee has a bunch of good ideas, it's not wise to tell your superiors. The Japanese can relate to how bureaucracy is depicted in Shin Godzilla because they know it works so much like this. I kept having flashbacks to the wonderful movie Ikiru, starring Takashi Shimura. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. Another movie strongly related to Ikiru is Brazil, created by Terry Gilliam. Watch the long version of that movie. It's one of my favorite movies ever. It's related to Orwell's 1984 as well, and it heavily criticizes bureaucracy. The amount of hesitation in the government with regards to the use of force is also realistic, as the self-defense forces have never had to be activated. They were activated in 311. It's also accurate that the SDF is the last line of defense in Japan, though the U.S. plays a large role. What's more, this movie is accurate about how civilians control the SDF. Civilian control of the armed forces is a keystone of democracy. The SDF in real life are volunteers. They sacrifice themselves if needed in order to protect their country. They are here to save others, if they are called to do so. This is exactly how the SDF works, and that's how they're treated in the movie. One thing that puzzled me is that American audiences that watched Shin Godzilla didn't seem to connect to the satire of bureaucracy. American bureaucracy can be pretty bad, too. What's funny is 57% of Japanese trust their national government to do what's right for their country, while in that same poll for Americans, 51% agreed with that. So they actually have more faith in their government than we do in ours. I feel like if Americans knew more about what the movie actually was before they went in to see it, they might have gotten it more. Lastly, I'll say how Shin Godzilla is just a movie, and how big of a role satire plays in it. That might be the issue here. There's a lot of realism right up against a whole lot of satire. The U.S.-Japan alliance is satirized on a regular basis during this movie, and they're not being as serious as much as they are reflecting a wide variety of Japanese opinions about the U.S. Kyoko is the personification of the satire of Japan's relationship with the United States. We need to examine her character arc to truly understand how this character functions. At the beginning, she looks at Japan as a tributary state that will do anything she says. She's unfamiliar with how Japan really works, and she's kind of arrogant. In a way, she's depersonalized Japan, much in the way that some people in America think that Japan is some sort of anime toontown like from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But as the story progresses... Kayoko learns more about Japan, 
and once the gravity of the situation gets worse, the Japanese part of her activates, so to speak. Her character is Japanese-American. She's talking with Yaguchi at one point in the movie, and when referring to Godzilla, she gets part of the way through the English word for Godzilla, and then she starts again and says, Godzilla, the Japanese word for him. At this point, she has personalized Japan. She gets the reality of Japan's position, and her character has matured. So, as she learns more about Japan, the more understanding she becomes of the country and its people. This is identical to the path many Americans take once they learn more about Japan, or many other countries for that matter. It's also possible that this film views Japanese Americans positively, and that since Japanese Americans' participation in Operation Yashiori helped to defeat Godzilla, the movie may be looking at Japanese Americans as a bridge between the two countries. As a result of this satire, Americans shouldn't take this too seriously. Shin Godzilla is, after all, another Godzilla movie. Even though things are realistically depicted visually, the satire reigns supreme. I'm not offended by the criticisms of America, as in reality, Japan and the U.S. are extremely close. Prime Minister Abe called it an alliance of hope. In the aftermath of the 311 disaster, over 80% of Japanese people polled had a favorable view of the United States. Operation Tomodachi was a U.S. operation involving 24,000 U.S. service members, 189 aircraft, and 24 naval vessels. Tomodachi is the Japanese word for friend, so that's where that comes from. The operation provided aid, helped with water to supply the nuclear plant, and lots of other kinds of help. We have good relations despite all of the history, and as a result, the alliance can withstand satirical criticism in a Godzilla movie. Shin Godzilla criticizes Japan more than it criticizes any other country, for that matter. Since Shin Godzilla is a satire, the movie does play around with issues in the same way Hideki Anno does when he writes other stories. The movie expresses a wide variety of opinions within Japanese society, and people will draw their own conclusions based on their own viewpoints. But simply playing around with all these subjects is not the same as actually endorsing a particular policy. I would refer you to Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, a movie that, that, well, they play around hardcore with subjects like Japan's post-war success, Japanese nationalism, and the rest of the world going after Japan because of its tremendous success in the future. In the movie Invasion of Astro Monster from 1965, the movie plays around with the international affairs implications of alien invasions, and there's a lot of symbolism in it. But just because this movie, Shin Godzilla, fools around with things, that doesn't mean that it's taking a position. This movie would be diminished if it took any position on hot-button issues like Article 9, etc. It's such a divisive issue domestically that endorsing getting rid of Article 9 would be far too much for the movie to handle. Shin Godzilla expresses a spectrum of opinions in Japanese society, and therefore it appears to be giving us mixed signals. The Japanese like America, but they kind of resent our ordering them around. They push us away, but they continue to hug us. The relationship is too one-sided, but it still works out in the end, and it saves the day. This is the movie's way of saying that a lot of these issues are not clear-cut, and as a result of the reality, the movie is showing differing views. The movie also shows us how the national security of the U.S. and the national security of Japan don't always line up perfectly. 
This is shown when the U.S. covers up their involvement with the research project. In the movie Godzilla vs. Megaguirus, the character Motohiko Segura does say, but every country must have its secret research projects. However, when all is said and done, the relationship with the U.S. does work well overall, and the movie appears to say that. I would be more concerned if Shin Godzilla expressed only a positive or only a negative sentiment about the U.S. Neither would go over very well in Japan, or here, for that matter, and it would be arguably be actual propaganda due to its one-sidedness. Moreover, Japan at no point tells the United States to withdraw its military from Japan, nor does Japan say that they want out of the security treaty. Hideki Anno is being ambiguous about things and letting people decide for themselves. That is why Prime Minister Abe praised this movie, even though it doesn't endorse specific policies. He felt that it did, but you can also find plenty of evidence in the story to refute that assertion. If Abe thought that the Prime Minister in the movie was supposed to be actually him, I wouldn't be very flattered. Neither of these two Prime Ministers are portrayed in a flattering manner. If he thinks that the first Prime Minister in the movie is supposed to be Naoto Khan, who was the Prime Minister during 311, there isn't much evidence for that either. Sure, Prime Minister Khan was there during 311, and he was from the Democratic Party of Japan, which is the opposing party to Abe. But this movie is criticizing the entire system, not just one political party or the other. Abe should be glad that he wasn't Prime Minister when 311 happened, because he got to avoid a lot of the heat that the public felt. The public blamed the Prime Minister, the entire bureaucracy, TEPCO, which was the electric company that owned the nuclear plant, the authorities, and everyone else. The whole system is being criticized in Shin Godzilla. I'm not saying that there's not a nationalist interpretation of some of the events in this movie, but examining an issue is not necessarily endorsing a given position, and there's just as much or more evidence that Shin Godzilla that argues against a nationalist interpretation because of the ambiguity as well as the realism tempering how everything's portrayed. There are also quite a few movies in the Godzilla series you could say that about. I've done a few episodes about movies where there's complex symbolism going on. I do understand what Japanese far-right nationalism is, and I am familiar with the history of it up to the present day. I'm not going to endorse any Japanese political parties or positions, or endorse candidates. That's up to the Japanese to decide for themselves. I don't believe Shin Godzilla is nationalist propaganda. I don't think that praising the movie is an endorsement of the LDP, the Prime Minister, or his agenda, or any other political agenda. I would point out that for Americans to accuse this movie of being nationalist militarist propaganda does sound kind of strange. We do have 50,000 troops in Japan, as well as other troops that are spread across approximately 150 other countries. 64% in a poll of the Japanese public say that China's power and influence is a major threat to their country, while 62% say that America's power and influence is a major threat to their country. That's very interesting. When I think about Shin Godzilla, I think cinematic balls. There's truly nothing like it, and I never thought anyone would make a movie like this. It's the Japanese speaking from the heart, and I love every minute of it. And you should too, if you're into this kind of thing. The episode from Kaiju Vision is the most in-depth of any analysis in English, and also includes a point-by-point commentary. It took me so long to research and write this. 
If you'd like to send some feedback, I'd love to hear from you. The email address is feedback at kaijuvision.com. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Kaiju Vision Radio is available on kaijuvision.com, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, and Podcast Addict. I'm Brian Scherschel, and this is KVR Kaiju Vision Radio. And I will see you next time. <laughs>